0: Welcome to Key's World, and this is Key Speaks Podcast. Here, we believe in the freedom of speech, so brace yourselves. Nothing is off limits here. I'm so thrilled you decided to tune in. So, let's have fun and learn something, mother. This segment on Key Speaks Podcast is Meet an Interesting Person. I want to let you know that in this segment, there may be some triggers, so I want to give you a warning in advance. Uh, Brace yourself. Let's get into it.
1: I don't belong to me no more. I don't belong to me no more. You. Taking all my soul. And I don't belong to me no more. This is
2: Tariq Saint Sankofa, and you're listening to Meet an Interesting Person.
0: Names that you prefer other than Tariq?
2: No, Tariq is fine. So my I will tell you that my my birth, my first name is legally Eddie. Um, but um when I got married last year, I never liked my first name. And then my first name is also my biological father's middle name as well as my biological my brother's middle name. And in order to put some distance between myself and all of that history. Since I was changing my name anyway when I got married, I just dropped Eddie and just stuck with my middle name, which is Al Tariq. So Tariq. I know that was a long explanation, but yeah.
0: It was perfect, <laughs> it was a perfect explanation. Um so my actual name is I Keisha. And I didn't like that name for so long.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then, you know, in grade school they have you do a little projects. <coughs> they said, go home ask your parents what you would have been named if they didn't name you what your name today. Mm. So I, I asked my mother and she told me that I would have been Eddie May. And I said, oh. you know what? My name is perfect.
2: <laughs>
0: my name is it's the best name. <laughs> oh
2: my God. That, that knocked the wind out of me right there. Eddie May.
0: <laughs> Eddie May. Uh huh. Which is so funny. Cause, um, yeah. yeah. Your original name, so that's all things yeah. coming together somehow. But yeah. That is so funny, I, but I am perfectly happy with my name.
2: <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh, we, my God. We,
0: we would have been too Eddies in a pod. <laughs> no. I do want to ask, for those who are interested just from the beginning of this podcast, um, and those who will be interested by the end because I know they will be where can we find you on social media if you even want to be found
2: oh I don't mind being found um, you can find me at on Instagram at saint s-a-i-n-t underscore Sancofa, sankofa s-a-n-k-o-f-a um, that's my Instagram and of course I'm on Clubhouse my name is the at sign sankofa mm-hmm. And then number 45.
0: Okay. Can you spell that for us?
2: S-A-N-K-O-F-A.
0: Um, where does that name derive from?
2: That is a West African Adinkra um uh symbol, the Senkofa symbol. Mm-hmm. And it means to go back and fetch it, um, which mm-hmm. means or learn from your past, um, which I have just kind of adopted as a moniker. Um, and so it's an Adinkra symbol, but it, there's a whole set of them. there and they each have a different, um, meaning, but this one in particular has always spoken to me because for me, so much of my life and even in my writing and my poetry has been about returning to the past in order to interrogate memory, history, experiences in order to better understand and navigate where I am in life now. Um, I don't think any nothing happens by by um, chance or circumstance you know happenstance or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lesson that's tucked away in each one of the experiences that we have. So I try to live a mindful and meditative life and allow um, the past to very much direct and guide my present and future um, journeys.
0: So we actually met on this lovely app um called Clubhouse. If you guys aren't familiar with it, it's a voice app where you can just log into the app and speak to people via audio and you never have to see a face or so upload a video. What originally brought you to Clubhouse?
2: Oh. So, um well first I live in a very small country town in North Carolina called Um It has 800 people, two stoplights, a Burger King, and a food lion. Um, so needless to say, um, I am somewhat isolated. I moved here four years ago when my mom passed away. And I like it here. It's quiet, although that is um, is kind of worn out it's welcome with me I'm, I'm ready to get back to some noise and city life but um yeah uh, maneuvering through the pandemic and the quarantine being in the house um all the time just me my three dogs and my husband uh, although now he's going back into the office to work so i'm at home alone a lot and i just back in december i hopped on this thing because my friends had been hounding me about, you need to join Clubhouse, you need to join Clubhouse. And I was thinking like, I don't need another social media app in my life. So I was resistant at first. And then I finally did. And I found some working rooms, some people in the UK who are up at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, working on research projects and dissertations. And I was like, oh, this is useful, you know. But then I discovered the, pro- the poetry rooms and it sort of brought me back to life poetically because I had been on a five year writing hiatus. Um, Wow, I did not know that. Oh yeah, I hadn't written anything in about five years because I'd gone to a workshop that I did not particularly enjoy and it just really discouraged me and I just gave up on writing altogether. But then I, I stumbled into these rooms and I read a piece and, um, Christopher Michael said to me, when I finished, he said, "Whoever told you that you couldn't write, they lied." And I don't know. That was all I needed. I just kept going back and I kept writing every single day. And here I am. Yeah
0: he spoke nothing but the truth because your pen is insane." The way that you write, you're just so inspirational.
2: My Poetic Precision um, Writing Workshops Um, is a series of four weeks, four week series of workshops geared towards artist and writer development um, in terms of um, teaching writers how to develop metaphors, providing some performance critique providing assistance with construction, um, concept to construction development for your poems. And I use a very specific methodology for teaching students across a variety of of experience levels, how to approach writing poems that they may not readily have ideas about, you know, what to do with. So um, what I'm doing is helping them work through writing three fully workshop pieces by the end of the four weeks. Uh, but they're gaining a set of transferable skills that they rhetorical skills that they can use across a variety of genres of writing whether they're doing research writing poetry fiction or prose the things that I'm teaching them in the workshops will work for any of those genres as long as you apply the techniques that i'm that i'm giving you so it's yeah four weeks I just started a cohort this past weekend on the 12th and it was an amazing. Amazing session we had a I mean it even exceeded my expectations we had a really good time the students really tapped into some poems that have been waiting inside of them for a while and I'm really excited to hear what they come back with this weekend um, if you want to enroll you can go to sankofa.services.dot.art sankofa s a n k o f a services s e r V-I-C-E-S dot art, A-R-T. Yeah.
0: You and I have a similar spiritual, like, start when it comes to um, just being in the church and different things Mm -hmm. like that, and how it kind of helps form the people we are today, whether it be for good or bad, Um, what we've kept or what we, you know, uh giving away <laughs> what we no longer find as of use right do you feel comfortable delving into that part that part of um life
2: sure yeah yeah i'm an open book you can ask me anything
0: okay awesome so can we talk about like how you started and like your spiritual journey to where you are now
2: oh this is a long story let me cut through this for you though <laughs> started going to church um, at the age of 16, Um, seriously, and of my own volition at 16. Um, I was ordained as a minister around 20. I was an assistant pastor of a church around 21, 22. Later on, around 26, a youth pastor of a large um, church. Fairly large church, like 900 members. And then from there, when I relocated again, was unofficially the assistant pastor of a third church. So um, I spent 22 years of my life um, in Christianity and in Pentecostalism, in particular, the Grand Old Church of God in Cash. Um, and <laughs> yeah, you caught that, right? Um, but I left there in 2013 didn't suit my life anymore um those years were constituted not just by church membership and ministry but also a um publicly i would say heterosexual marriage or identity that just was not true or authentic for me And after 12 years of that, um, you know, and not just, not being able to sustain and do that anymore and coming to an awakening and realizing that like, I've been praying and asking God to fix something that's not broken. It's never going to, this is not going anywhere. This is just who I am. Um,
0: How did you you manage that That awakening? Because that's a
2: lot. (laughs) To
0: To be so deep within, you know, Kojic, right? Mm-hmm. To, to leading um, not only within the church but you know a life that you didn't feel was 100% authentic how right. did it feel coming to that awakening where you're like this is me there's nothing wrong with who I am but now I need to explore my truth like how did how was that emotion
2: oh so first and foremost let's not get it twisted spiritual awakenings are not a glorious experience <laughs> this this it feels like a hurricane just coming through and just completely turning your life upside down.
0: Let me tell so, you.
2: <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was. It, it was comprised of a lot of depression and a lot of isolation, and it it was you know not just losing one person but losing 901 essentially because the person that they had all embraced was an idea of me. It wasn't who I am. And I knew they couldn't deal with the truth, even though it was the same person who was preaching to them and, and laying them out on the floor, you know? So, um, yeah, that meant for me starting my life completely over from the ground up in the air mattresses, dogs, the books, the clothes, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. I can't tell just,
0: you the tears I cried.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it meant starting all over um, and it was hard. It was hard. And I especially, most especially because I am such a spiritual person, I no longer had an outlet for that. And so I had to figure out what to do on Sunday mornings. I tried going to a couple of different churches, didn't feel right. So then I just said, well, hey, you don't have to do this anymore. Just stay home and see see what happens. I did. Then someone introduced me to some yoga classes on Sundays. So I would go to yoga and I found that I got the sense of spirituality and um, and 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 the community that I needed from that. But then that led me, that opened the door for me to start studying, and, you know, expressing interest in Buddhism, which I took up as a practice, not as a religion, but as a spiritual practice just for centering and grounding. Um, But I am very much a person at this point in my life who I am a student of of everything. So I try to know a little bit about, you know, various things. I don't know everything, but I, you know, I know a little bit of Buddhism, Hindu, voodoo, hoodoo, um, some Yoruba, um, some, you know, information on these, these various traditions. I eat the fish and throw the bones away, what I don't find useful, I don't use. All of the traditions are basically teaching and and working towards the same thing, which is the liberation of our highest and greatest self. We just call it by different names and aside, you know, different deities, but it's all, I mean, the goal is love at the end of the day. For yourself, for the universe, for other people, that's it. It's not that complicated.
0: How did spoken word and poetry like how did that influence your journey
1: Mm,
2: what journey (laughs)
0: like your journey in life right your journey to to self-acceptance your journey while finding um Mm. interest in multiple religions and you know having that kind of create who you are today into finding self right and into living that authentic self you know what I mean? Like, how um, did if 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 it even did? Because maybe it did not. But how did it assist you or aid in that journey?
1: Hmm.
2: Well, it's helped me find freedom. I can say that. That's powerful. Um, um, I believe that every experience we have is a poem. It's a poem that gets lodged deep within our spirit. It lives there depending on whether or not the experience was positive or negative, you know, that impacts whether or not it eats at us in some kind of cancerous or corrosive way, which a lot of the illness that we experience is just lodged energy. Mm -hmm. It's memories that we've recorded and and that have imprinted us. Um, So carrying around all of these energies all of these experiences all these stories it's a lot of weight you got to have a you know a release valve for that enter poetry it gives you the opportunity to reach within yourself and to dislodge those things that are clogging you up the things that disrupt your productivity your growth your emotional and physical and mental health health and well-being, it is, uh, yeah, it's a it's a release valve. Um, and it helps you to free yourself when you come to terms with and accept that life and death truly is in the power of your tongue and by extension of that, in the power of your pen. And you appreciate this gift for what it is. It's not just pretty words on the page. It's a tool of manifestation. It's a tool of magic. It's Absolutely. a tool of world building, it's a therapeutic tool. In Buddhism, there's a saying, "It's uh, there are a thousand aspects to every experience, which means that no matter what you go through, it's a thousand different ways you can choose to look at that situation, you know? That's what I think poetry is too. You may write about that same broke down, busted ass nigga 20 times. 20 poems and everybody's looking at you like, why do you keep writing about this person? Well, it's flipping through your poetic, your memory Rolodex to find the one poem that finally heals you.
0: Not what we've really talked about, but marriage, transitioning from one marriage where you felt like you weren't being completely authentic into another marriage of where like, this is, what I've needed like this was me all along. Like, how does that feel?
2: Oh, it's amazing. You know, we have a really good relationship. Um I know he's the one because I can't stay mad at him. Aww. <laughs> yeah. It, it um that shit drives me up the wall though. I don't like it, it.
0: <laughs> it makes me mad when I can't stay mad, but I still yeah. don't wanna be in the face of mad, but now I can't.
2: <laughs> yeah I'm a, I'm a tourist baby. I'm I'm good at holding grudges you know so um yeah no we it's it's been again finding freedom. you know what's that Nina, Nina Simone quote you know what freedom is no fear. Yeah, it feels good to to truly have home, space that exists on your own terms that meets and suits your needs, that doesn't require you to be anybody but who you are. Well, so it's Pride Month, so I want to do something for the LGBTQIA plus community, all my people, um, celebrating Pride, happy Pride to you. But also I want to do this piece because, specifically because it's queer erotica, if that's okay. Can I do it on your platform?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can't <laughs> do it on my platform. So we know I'm it. That's why I need to come to your class. So yeah, okay. take it away.
2: <laughs> so yeah, so I'm going to do this piece. Um, but specifically because um, when you asked me about what poetry has done for me and I said freedom, giving me freedom, this was a part of that um, in that I've learned through writing Queer Erotica how to be visible as an intimate sexual being in the world. Um, And it has really helped to reframe and reshape how I see myself.
1: I don't belong to me no more. Oh, I don't belong to me no more. You've taken over my soul. and i don't belong to me no more i don't belong to me no more i don't belong to me no more you've taken over my soul I don't belong to me no more. Mm.
2: Possession, to internalize, absorb, acquire a thing to such an extent that it begins to own you. Coloring your tone, new hues, painting your words, gradient shades of fixation lifting your skin to live between the layers overtaken a city brought to its knees in need of freedom from your grip but deep down who the fuck really wants to be free our flame exists in the tortured place immediately past obsession because my body no longer feels like my own there are voices in my head telling me i need it when i'm alone because no matter how hard you try, you never forget the first sound, sight or sense, slight but strong masculinity, his pores filled with a palatable poison. He tastes like suicide, had annihilation tucked in the space behind his ear and resting in the divot of his clavicles like pools of invisible intoxicants that disable my defenses. Because true lust should always smell like surrender and burning skin. I have this this aching, almost... Painful desire to eat you. Cannibalize your flesh through corrective carnal knowledge that fixes my habit. I got an addiction, a demon, a dick fixation and a determination to bring you to your knees because the first time we bugged you made me feel weak. Flipped a bitch, had me all out of character, overcome by the taste of nervousness in my mouth, the sour wet wash that tells the truth on your thirst even while you pretend to be whole and hydrated. You are not. Your mouth is a welcome place, a river running down a deep decline and over a cliff. We speak of going there. We have no vision of the fall. You can't fall from this high and not get hurt. You can't survive a leap off the edge of my pelvis. Nigga, you better stay there. You taste like well-spent time. Your natural oils, aura, and slow drip, opening act congregating at the tip like a cloudy crystal waiting for a place to land. Nobody told me melanin tastes like the sun, like gold. I am possessed. Should be calling my name even in my sleep. I got crackhead habits, rock candy, base all in your straw. High definition. I want you. To monkey fuck me with all the violence of a bitch with his head on backwards. Let the power of this crisis compel me to come. Not worried about who sucks cocks in hell. My mouth is full. This is confession, cleansing, contrition, casting out, and in, and. You, my nasty poet, preacher, expounding inside me on the expansive possibilities of your penitent push power when doing your unholy most. Only those with this power prevail. We are each our own devil. We make our own hell and I choose you. You are an energy stuck deep down in the throat of my soul, a man sized imprint that my body ain't shit but memory foam. Can still see your handprint on my ass. You lay down inside me and leave your whole body behind, fingerprints on my neck, saliva on my thigh, your air in my lungs like life support, sweet fruit flavor all across my tongue, pineapple passion running down my mouth. The residual taste of your holy water, doused across my face to provoke me, make me act up, bring out the demon in me. Possession means writhing in the middle of the night, All your darkness lit by the fire between your legs. Your tendons twisted into slipknots, Your throat clogged with God. Ride. Turn your body over. Touch yourself. Burn uncontrollably. Writhing in the middle of darkness. Lit legs twisted. God in the middle of darkness. Between your body. Touch God. Possession means writhing. In the middle of the night. All your darkness lit by the fire. Fire between your legs. Your tendons twisted into slipknots, Your throat clogged with God. Turn on the chin. Touch your heart. Go ahead.
1: Touch it.